there and welcome to Inside Rugby League, the podcast brought to you by the Yorkshire Evening Post. I'm Richard Byram and joining me on the line again this week as usual is my colleague Peter Smith. Peter, as regular listeners will know, is the Yorkshire Evening Post Chief Rugby League Writer and he also contributes match reports and other stories to our sister paper, the Yorkshire Post. This week we'll have a bit of a look back at the season just gone, uh, the highs and lows, how our Yorkshire clubs did and uh, what may happen again next season. So Peter, probably a mediocre season, I'd say, overall for the Yorkshire teams, unfortunately. There were some signs of improvement and Cass got to the Challenge Cup final, but uh, at the business end of the season, it was them lot from over the Pennines again, wasn't it, who were mainly dominating? Sadly, yes. Well, a long way over the Pennines in um, in Catalan's case. True. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Leeds were Yorkshire's top team this year again second year running um, finishing fifth which isn't really anything to write home about disappointing season for Castleford overall although they did reach Wembley which is probably a lot of their fans would have settled for that at the start of the season Wakefield a typical sort of Wakefield season really they flirted with relegation for a while picked up for a while, dropped off and actually finished quite strongly and there were some positive signs for Wakefield there with their new coach, Willie Poaching. Huddersfield, underachieved, I think, had a lot of of injuries but never really threatened to to get into the top six and they weren't in any real relegation danger either. Hull and Hull KR, Hull, I think, were, were the big disappointments. They go into every season with people tipping them to um, to finally have a, a good year and to push for the for the top four and maybe get to Old Trafford and always seem to start pretty well and then fade. They certainly did that this year and, and to finish as low as they did was very disappointing. Ulcar, on the other hand, made some real progress from Wooden Spoonists last year to um, sixth place on the table and... Um, winning a playoff and getting to within 80 minutes of Old Trafford, they'd certainly have settled for that at the start of the year. So mixed fortunes for Leeds team, for sorry, for Yorkshire teams. Nobody could get too excited about the way their season's gone. Probably the, the happiest set of fans in Yorkshire would probably be Hull KRs, who have also made some good signings for next year. People like Lachlan Coop, they'll feel that their club is on the up. They're doing some good stuff off the field as well but overall certainly in in Super League a, a disappointing I think season for um, for the White Rose and I think we'll talk about Leeds Castlewake individually in a minute but um, there was some signs of progress from one or two clubs in the Championship second tier Featherstone by any standards had a very good season they only lost to championship opposition twice. Unfortunately, that was to lose both times, including in the grand final. But Featherstone are knocking on the door of Super League. They're making improvements off the field as well. I think they'll have another strong season next year. They'll probably be competing with Lee for um, for top spot, I would think. Now to lose have gone up. And um, in third tier, Doncaster reached the um, promotion grand final in League One so they've had a decent season as well although 
I think Eastley and Hunslet would have had promotion aspirations at the start of the year and would be disappointed not to have achieved that. So, like I say, mixed fortunes across the board, really. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it's... Uh... Feel well, not deflated, but you know, I think at the start of every season, you you hold out hope that uh, our local teams, in particular, will have success, and then uh, wider across the county. And I think that's a good summation, really, Peter, of, of Yorkshire's season. I think, from my point of view, certainly, I know Huddersfield had a lot of issues with injuries and COVID, and a new coach coming in. But I think. Uh, Ian Watson will be certainly looking to bring more of his own players in there next season. And it did take him a while to get going at Salford, didn't it? And, you know, I think you've got to give a coach a chance, especially when coming into a completely new club, new players, new setup, new coaches and everything. So they, I think they were disappointing. And Hull, as you say, uh, even probably more so because they had quite an established squad and Brett Hodgson was brought in. No doubt at great expense um, in place of Andy Last, who'd taken over from Lee Radford, and I don't know what I don't know what it is with Hull. They seem really extremes within a season, don't they? They can win seven or eight games on the spin, and then all of a sudden they lose one, and they end up. You look again, and they've lost ten out of twelve or something crazy. They just don't seem to. Once they have one defeat, it's like the confidence just drains through the plug hole with them. I, I really don't know what it is. I mean. People sort of joke about it's always going to be Warrington's year, but in fairness to Warrington, uh, you you know, maybe they don't always get to the grand finals, but they're always there or thereabouts and competitive throughout the campaign. Um, whereas uh, Hull, you know, it's a real mystery to me, um, and particularly when you see how quickly Hull KR have turned their fortunes round from, as you pointed out, Wooden Spoon is the previous season when everybody had difficulties. And all of a sudden, a few astute to signings and some good young ones coming through and Tony Smith mixing it all together. And I'm quite sure Danny Maguire, the former Leeds players, had some key say as well over at Hull KR. Um, and, and all of a sudden, you know, they're knocking on the doors of the, of the playoff and, and it's FC who are the number two team in the city, which you certainly wouldn't have thought of at the start of the season. Um, so... I think they're the two clubs that have really, outside of our area, really, that need to have a look at themselves. And as you said, with Wakefield, probably a typical wakey season there. Um, you know, some ups and downs and probably the right decision in the end to move Chris on when they did and give Willie Poaching a chance in of his first real head coach's role. And similarly with Leeds and Cass, you know, we, you know, you followed Cass throughout saying that they would get to the Challenge Cup final and although they fell short on the day, that's the kind of level that I, I do think clubs like Cass need to be aiming at. If they can get in the playoffs and get to Wembley, then that, that's a good season for them. And uh, likewise, Leeds, you know, they have the sort of budget and players where you expect them to be at the top end. And as I think, as we spoke last week... They were found wanting a bit towards the end of the season in the playoffs, but signs are there that maybe a bit of a revival is on its way at Leeds. Yeah, just on, on while we're on Wakefield, we'll, we'll discuss them first. This is your team, of course. The, the problem they've had over the last few seasons, really, is just, just, just this lack of consistency. They can beat the top teams 
at times, but they're also liable to, to suffer some horrendous defeats against in matches they really should win. I mean, they, they were one of only two teams that lost to Lee this season, but they beat Warrington, they beat Leeds, um, they beat Wigan. Yeah. They, they, they can compete, just can't seem to do it on a consistent basis. And my fear for for Willie Poaching is that things might sort of revert back to the norm, how they were under Chris Chester for that long spell when they, they couldn't buy a win. Um, it led to, to Chris getting the boot and Willie came in and he admits he didn't change an awful lot, but the attitude of the players seemed to improve and they got some cracking results. Now, it's easy enough doing that if you want the assistant coach or the caretaker coach to, to get the job on a permanent basis it's doing it next season that really counts yeah um, and I just hope that they can maintain the improvement they've shown under Willie and they don't fall back into bad habits I think it was the players to blame for Cusses, uh, sorry Wakefield's poor form earlier this year not the coach as you say the, clearly there has been an improvement since Chris Chester left but I think that the players were capable of pulling off these results when he was there. They just, they just at times didn't look interested. Some of the things Chris said, obviously, didn't didn't help his cause, and he hadn't been there for a while. I think coaches need to move on after a certain number of years. But um, yeah, the, some of some of Whitefield's players didn't produce often enough. They did have some good performances. Now you're going to say Joe Westerman, who's gone to Castleford for next season was excellent throughout the campaign. Um, Reese Line is playing well, consistently well. Um, I'm surprised they've let Carl Wood leave. He always seemed to make a, a decent impact, particularly off the bench. Um, well, there's some talent there. They've got room to bring some players in. Interested to see how Liam Hood goes. New, new signing um, who played for Lee last year, ex-Leeds. Of course, and Lee Gaskell coming in from Huddersfield is a good signing. I think there's some potentially good signs for um, for Wakefield next year. Whether they can push on towards the top six, I'm not sure. It's I think Toulouse are going to be a tougher side this year than sorry next year than um, Lee will this year. So that's going to cause a little bit of nervousness among teams who you'd expect probably to be in the bottom half of the table. So the pressure will be on. We don't know what the format's going to be for um, for Super League in a couple of years' time. If a couple of clubs are relegated, then Wakefield will, will clearly be under under a bit of pressure. But um, I just hope Willie can can get the same sort of performances out of the team next year as he did at the end of this season. If they can make a decent start, Wakefield should be okay. I think. Yeah, it's interesting you say that about um, Willie and taking over at Wakefield because a, a couple of Wakey fans that I know when uh, Chris left and they said, who, who did I sort of think would get it? And it was just my own personal opinion, obviously. I didn't have any inside track, but looking at it logically, it seemed that Willie would be at least given a chance because he'd been there under Chris and he knew the players, he knew the club, obviously. He's played there in the past and he's very popular uh, man on the terraces as well, isn't he? So there'd be no issue with anybody really taking over. But uh, a couple of people said to me, but he's been there through the issues that we've had with Chris this season and will the players 
revert to type. Now, initially they didn't, did they? They responded to Willie and they they put in some good performances. And uh, overall, you know, it, the season felt a lot more positive than it maybe did uh, maybe the week or two before Chris left the club and you really couldn't see where Wakefield's next win was coming from. And then that horrible collapse against Huddersfield I think sealed Chris's fate and he, he yeah. went he went out firing, didn't he? And, and and they gave Willie the chance. And I think, you know, as you've pointed out, they've made some fairly decent signings for next season and they've always got the issue at Wakefield, of course, that they haven't got the finance of a lot of the other clubs and Michael Carter's made it clear in the last few weeks again, hasn't he, that with the reduced TV deal and the hangover from COVID and the general fall in receipts all round really that Wakey are going to be running a much tighter ship next season which is probably code for not many signings and quite a few young uns being given a chance which is fair enough you know if they're there and they're good enough then why not and you know I'd be interested to see how Tom Lynham and Liam Hood go in particular uh, two experienced players and hopefully if Wakey can keep Tom Johnston fit for any period of time and obviously he's always a th- threat as well and a point I'd made as well, or a note I'd made, was that, as you've said about Toulouse, that unlike a lot of the teams that have come up in recent times and basically had to come up and fight with one hand behind their back and, and gone back down, such as Lee and London in the last couple of years, I think that Toulouse, you know, are probably going to come up and make a real fist of staying. They've certainly got, unlike some of the other promoted teams, the, the strong basis of a Super League team there already, really, haven't they? There's plenty of experience and, and you know, coming up with a winning habit as well. You know, they haven't lost all season. They've, they've beaten every game, uh, sorry, every opponent that's been put up against them. And I think, you know, that those teams like your Salfords, Wakeys, Huddersfields, Hull even, you know, they're, you know, they'll be looking over their shoulder and thinking, you know, they're not going to get a gimme against Toulouse anymore. And Wakey's forte ha- has always been in, in the top flight, hasn't it? That they can give uh, any team a beating on their day, but their day doesn't always come around that often. And uh, my Uncle Richard used to call them money down matches at one time where, you know, if they were playing a big team with a big gate, then, you know, there'd be a bit of extra and they do Wigan at home or whatever but I don't suppose there's even the scope for that as much as there used to be at one time Uh, but you know overall I think I feel a lot happier talking about Wakefield now than I would have done a couple of months ago there's no doubt about that you know I think there are some signs of recovery there and really up to Willie and his new team who brought Francis Cummins in of course haven't they the former Leeds player uh, somebody obviously who Willie trusts and you know is very keen to bring to the club. Uh, I think he's been out of rugby for a couple of years, Francis. I think I'm right in saying, but uh, you know he obviously been allowed to bring his own man in and uh, hopefully that they can keep on top of the things. The, the other note I kind of made about Wakefield is quite a lot of the squad's been there for a while now. It's not like you're bringing in yet another team. Uh, of new signings, which used to be another thing that Wakefield had to do at one time. Lots of people on one-year deals and a high turnover of players. The the core of the team now, as you've just mentioned, guys like Reese and Tom Line and uh, sorry, Tom Johnson, my apologies, uh, and the guys in the forwards like Tanganoa and Fafita, Tupu, 
<coughs> excuse me, you know, the, 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 the core of the team, the spine of the team, whatever you want to call it, has been there for a while. And you'd hope that that alone would get, you know, Wakefield enough points, maybe not to get in the playoffs, but certainly to stay away from the wrong end of the table. And, and the other thing that I always say every year, it'd be fantastic if Wakefield took Castle's attitude towards the Challenge Cup and, you know, had, had a real go in that, you know, the, the opportunities I think are there in one-off games for clubs like Wakey, as Cass showed, uh, to to have a real go, and you know that would that would give the, the game in the city and, and the club, you know, far more of a boost than any sort of sixth or seventh place finish in Super League would, in my opinion. You know, I'd be happy for them to finish ninth and get to Wembley, and uh, you know, spread the word again about the club and uh, you know, attract new people down there. And I think that's, you know, that's the way to go. I think, you know, hopefully Willie might look at that and think that, you know, that's something we can have a go at and, you know, give the fans something to cheer in the new year. Yeah. Moving on to um, to Castleford, I think this is um, a club in probably it's a little bit of transition with their long-serving coach, Daryl Powell, having moved on, taking um, a couple of players with him. Pete Matautier and Oliver Holmes. Obviously, there's been a couple of retirements as well. Michael Shenton, very long-serving player, made his debut in 2004. And uh, Grant Millington, who's been a fantastic overseas signing for Castleford. They've got Lee Radford coming in, brought some new blood in with him, including a couple of players from Hull. And it's going to be really fascinating to see how Castleford adapt to this change uh, Darrell was in charge for a long time, took over midway through 2013. He's revolutionised the team on the pitch, turned them from easy beats into a team that can reach finals, not quite managed to win one, unfortunately, from their point of view. But they've been in to Wembley twice and to the grand final. They've finished top of the table. So Lee Radford's got a lot to live up to. I will be interested to see how consistent Castleford are in the league when he was at Hull that was um, an issue obviously for Lee Radford making an impact in in Super League but they won the Challenge Cup twice back to back I think if people like Castleford had certainly settled for um, settled for that getting to Wembley and, and winning there I don't know if the squad is stronger next season they'll be hoping for fewer injuries than they had this year Um one thing I think that affected Castleford's season in 2021 was the ten- they sort of put all their eggs in one basket, really, in the build-up to Wembley. They lost some games that I think, under other circumstances, they'd have fancied the chances of winning. But the way they responded after Wembley, they didn't look like they got a prayer of game anywhere near the top six, but they went, went into the last weekend. Um, in fact, the last game knowing that if they won it, they'd um, they'd qualify for the playoffs. They didn't manage to do that, but it was a, a relatively encouraging second half of the season for them. Um, interesting to see how some of the new faces do. They're going to rely heavily on certain people staying fit again. I think they're going to need um, Paul McShane to have another big season, but he's obviously a quality player who's um, still got a lot of rugby left in him 
the half-backs are strong at Castleford. They've still got a decent back and some strikes. So I think they can have a they can have a pretty good year next year. And again, I th- I think they're a team to look out for in the Challenge Cup, probably. Yeah, it's, it is going to be fascinating uh, down the lane this year. I think it's uh, a few friends of mine who follow Cass, where the wags among them were calling them Cass Hull Ford uh, when Lee first came in, <laughs> given the, uh, the few signings that had come over from East Yorkshire or were coming over. And I think there has been a big turnover there and it might take Lee 12 months or so to stamp his own name and brand of rugby and get the new players all gelling together and playing again. I think he's the right sort of coach for Cass. Um, you say he did have those issues, as Hull have seemed to have done in recent years, where big winning streaks and then long losing streaks. But you would imagine that his remit will be, you know, to, pu- to push for Wembley and certainly for the playoffs and see what happens from there. Uh, another club that probably uh, well supported within their town, um, but again, not immune to the issues of COVID and so on over the last couple of years. Uh, Daryl, as you say, did a superb job there and uh, probably the right time really, I, t- I think as well for him to move on. If, if he was ever going to go to one of the big clubs in inverted commas, this was probably really it. Otherwise, you suspect, I know he was at Leeds earlier in his career, but uh, kind of went to Featherstone and cast, didn't he? And if he was going to have another shot at the big prizes, this was probably the time now. And uh, good to see Lee back in the game as well. He he seems a, a popular guy. I know you've spoken highly of him and our other mm. colleague, Dave Craven, Always had a good relationship with Lee as well. He always seemed to be accessible to the press and so on and fronted up, win, lose or draw. Uh, so I think, you know, Cass can look ahead to a, a good season. I think, you know, maybe, as, as you pointed out, another trip to Wembley or, or, or thereabouts and, and pressing for the playoffs. Um, and I think that, but I, I think the fans will have to be patient. I don't think with all those changes on and off the field, that it's sudden th- suddenly going to happen for them overnight. They might prove me wrong, but I don't think so. I think there's a heck of a lot uh, you know, of change going on there next year, and it, it, it might be a year of transition. Mm. Leeds Rhinos, um, I think at the start of the year, if you'd said they'd finish fifth, that would have been a disappointment. They finished fifth last year, um, so they'd have looked to kick on. I think the top four had to be the target this season. But in the circumstances, I actually think they did pretty well to get into the playoffs and to get within 80 minutes of Old Trafford. We found out against St Helens in the semi-final and indeed in other games this season that there is a gap between the top teams, Saints um, and Catalan, and teams like Leeds, Leeds are going to have to improve considerably to narrow that gap or to close it completely. But I think they are heading in the right direction. They had a a horrendous injury list this season. A lot of problems right from the very first pre-season training session when um, Luke Gale tore a pectoral muscle. Um, They had injuries, other injuries in pre-season. Rob Louie was a key one. He missed half the campaign 
um, after damaging a cord muscle in pre-season. Jack Walker didn't play at all this year. That's three pivotal players who were missing for um, for all or much of the season. Most of their key men had some time on the sidelines, either through injury or suspension. Leeds had a lot of suspensions, which is something they'll obviously have to to improve on next season, their discipline. Um, they also had a couple of COVID outbreaks. But I think to, to get as high as they did, to finish fifth and um, to win a playoff tie away at Wigan was a decent effort from Leeds, actually. There were some very positive signs. The injuries meant some young kids who wouldn't have got so many games got plenty of game time. We're talking Jack Broadbent, who really shone in the outside backs and looked like a very good prospect. Morgan Gannon, who's in the England Knights squad, he's only 17. He played 80 minutes several times in Super League, got 13 appearances under his belt. But some others, people like Jared O'Connor, did particularly well when he had a chance or was asked to, to fill in. Those players are a year older. Leeds have made some good signings. I think James Bentley, the second rower from St Helens, who's a Leeds lad, a Leeds fan, I think he's going to be a really good addition. He's uh, combative, I think you could you could say. He won't take a backward step. He's um, he's going to be a fan's favourite at Headingley. Um, they've brought in two halfbacks, which obviously is going to, going to be interesting. Um, with Luke Gale still at the club, as far as I understand, Luke Gale's going to be the number seven next year. And Aidan Caesar is going to be the number six. And Blake Austin, who's coming from Warrington, will be sort of number 14. He'll float around various pivotal positions as and where needed. But Caesar was a Man of Steel nominee last year. Blake Austin was a Man of Steel nominee two years ago. They're both very talented players and they could really add a lot to Leeds. If Leeds can keep those two fit, that packs as good as anybody's. Mikuledski is developing into one of the best props in the country. Cruz Leeming had a fantastic season at Hooker. There's Matt Pryor, who I think will be better. He looked tired to me towards the end of the season, but I think he'll be better for an off-season. Um, Zane Tessavano, probably a disappointing first season in England for him. He had trouble with COVID and um, a couple of long suspensions. I would expect him to do better next year. I think Leeds need, still need to recruit. They could do with another outside back and particularly a big forward to play in the middle of the field. But there's a lot of talent in the squad. Um, there's a good spirit around the camp. And I think Leeds are a team that are, they're on the up. Now, they'll need to make a good start next year, but I don't see why they couldn't target certainly a top four finish, maybe push on for top three or top two. I, I don't think they're quite on St. Helens level yet. But they're heading in the right direction and some of these kids that are coming through are exciting talents. Levi Edwards, another 17-year-old, he's also been named in the England Knights squad, uh, yet to make his Rhinos debut. He's someone to watch out for, um, probably playing in the centre. He's played most of his youth rugby in the second row when he was bigger than everybody else. But now, up against adults, he's... he's trying out a new position in the centre. He's going to have a, a good future as well. Tom Holroyd, young prop, he's only 20, got a lot of Super League games under his belt. He's going to be a future international, I think. So, yeah, things looking bright for Rhinos. 
Yeah, I don't know what Richard Agar did at the start of last year to the Black Cat, but he certainly didn't get any luck at all, in my opinion, last year. The Rhinos, uh, from the moment Luke got Gale got injured, it, they never seemed to have two weeks where they had any kind of luck at all, did they? They There was either the COVID problems or injury problems or, or Kyle Eastman packing it in or... You know, the play, losing Jack Walker for the entire season. Uh, Leeds just didn't seem to get any luck at all last year. And I think, as you pointed out several times during the course of the season, the number of different halfback combinations they used alone during that period uh, kind of summed things up for Leeds, really. And I think it ended about 14, I think. 14, was it? combinations, <laughs> which is... Which in 24 games or 27 competitive games is, is quite... Yeah, and as well, I think from a neutral point of view, from the way that Rob Lewis played when he was fit, uh, you know, it, it did make me wonder what Leeds might have achieved, even with all the problems, had he had, uh, you know, Luke Gale with him for long periods. I know Cruz Lehman did an admirable job, admirable job when he came into the side, and uh, that was an, an inspired choice. And he, he said, certainly... that Cruz Admiral, <laughs> <laughs> very good. <laughs> Yeah, like that. Save Sorry. all the jokes Sorry. for the last one. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so the, the the signs were there and 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 as you've pointed out without going over the same ground again, but some good young players there coming through who've got, you know, another year's experience under their belt that they might not have got in other circumstances. And a couple of big signings, Caesar and Austin, uh, the kind of signings you can you might expect Leeds to make uh back in the day. Uh couple of you know statement signings really um that will help knit those young players together Leeds have always brought the young ones through as we know and uh, back in the golden generation obviously a lot of those players uh, were were brought through by the club but they also had experienced players around them to knit it all together and I think you made a good point about Matt Pryor who's one of my uh, favourite Super League players who I've spoken about before and I feel that he you know he did uh, fade away a bit at, towards the back end of the season and I think tired is the right word I, I noticed against Saints he missed a couple of uh, tackles and things like that which another stage of the season he, he, he probably wouldn't have done but in fairness to him for a lot of the season too he's had to carry uh, leads on his back, hasn't he? You know, with with the number of injuries and, and absences they've had for various different reasons and suspensions, which again we criticise the judiciary at times for some of the suspensions that are handed out, not just to Leeds players, but across the board in general. But there were times as well where uh, Leeds players certainly didn't help themselves um, with some of their actions, and uh, you know, a bit self inflicted at times. Some of the suspensions and so on. So, you know, I'd agree with you, uh, Peter. I think Leeds can aim a bit higher next year as long as they can stay uh, injury and COVID free. And, I think you know, I think they are a club that need to be finishing in the top four, don't they? And a good run in the cup as well. They didn't even get any luck there last year, did they? They got Saints in the first round at a time when they really didn't want to play Saints and were beaten by them. Saints obviously went on to win it. Uh, so it was a good farm line, but uh, no consolation really. Uh, to Leeds, you know, maybe if they'd ma- managed to get through the first couple of rounds, that they could have got to Wembley themselves. But uh, again, I think a better future ahead for them. Yeah. Um, just before we wrap up for this season, I thought I'd um, 
give my three choices as player, coach and team stroke club of the season. Um, I know you've picked three as well. I don't know who, who they are. No, but, so, I mean, we haven't discussed I've, this, so if they're the same, I'm, then... <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure they won't be. I've gone, I've gone outside Super League. Um, a little, little bit... My player of the season is a little bit of an alternative choice. I'm going for Jack Sweeting of, well, finished with Doncaster. Yes. Um, had quite a season. He's a Featherstone Rovers player. Began the season on loan at Hunslet. Um, played for Featherstone in the 1895 Cup final win at Wembley. Went to Castleford where he, he came through the academy for, um, for a game on loan when they were were struggling with uh, injuries and, and players missing after Wembley. Um, made a try-scoring appearance in Super League and then went on loan to Doncaster and helped them get to the National League 1 grand final. So he played at all three levels, played for two clubs at, at League 1 <laughs> level, um, for Featherstone at Championship level and Castleford in Super League. So I think just for that, um, alone, he's my player of the season. The coach of the year, I'm going for Craig Lingard of Botley Bulldogs. Right. I think an astonishing achievement to yeah. finish fourth in the um, fourth in the second tier as a part-time club with no resources, um, no real star names in the team. He's coming. This is his first sort of full season at the helm. Did a, a remarkable job, and they got to with eight within 80 minutes of the uh, million pound game a fantastic achievement by Craig Lingard and really I I don't know whether he wants to um, to coach at Super League level at any time in the future but I'd be surprised if, if top clubs weren't keeping a close eye on him um, and I'm also going to make Batley my for similar reasons my club of the year, stroke team of the year. Just a tremendously well-run rugby league club who don't have um, ideas above the station, who live within their means and um, consistently punch above their weight. I think they're a, they're a terrific, terrific little club and they play some good rugby and um, so I'm going to make them my team of the year as well. Over to you, Rich. Well, that was a... An interesting trio there, Peter. I think some good choices, definitely. Um, Let's hope you pick the same three. <laughs> yeah. I won't believe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Through my Yorkshire Post remit, I've been well. Actually, through well, both papers, I've followed the teams, but obviously through the Yorkshire Post side, I do get to do the broader spectrum of Yorkshire teams because we do include, obviously, uh, the likes of. Doncaster and Sheffield, as well as the Batleys and the Dewsburys at the Evening Post do. So it, it has been an interesting season. And Halifax Panthers, I think, deserve a, an honourable mention as well uh, after many yeah. years out of the spotlight. They've, uh, again, kind of punched above their weight, really. They, they, they had a bit of a rebrand in the close season, didn't they? They chose the name the Panthers to try and attract some more youngsters down to the ground. And they certainly had a, had a good season, again, Probably not as strong, obviously, as Featherstone and and um, Toulouse. But having covered the club in the past, you know, I've, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for for Halifax, and it would be nice to see them return to the top table. But now, my my 
choices were a bit more uh, top flightish, shall we say. Um, my player of the year, I went for Alex Wormsley. That's my Yorkshire connection. He, he is an axe. Uh, Batley player, isn't he, Alex? Before he, yeah, before he moved over to St Helens, but I just think he. Brian Leeds University. I know he does get the plaudits, but it's still easier to look past forwards um, and into the backs where I used to play with the guys who score the tries and kick the goals. Um, but none of that's possible unless somebody's winning the ball and leading from the front. And I, I think Alex Wormsley's. I mean, most seasons he's an eight out of ten anyway, isn't he? It's it's nothing new, but I think he's been superb this year, and and he's really dragged through Saints through, you know, in all circumstances. I wrote down he's a, a a machine who seems to get better with age, and those of us who saw the game against Leeds in particular, I know Leeds weren't at the strongest that day, but it showed what Wormsley can do when his tail's really up, and uh, I thought he was, you know. I don't want to see St Helens winning anything. I, I didn't particularly begrudge him the medals this year at all, I'd have to say. Yeah. And coaching-wise, I've gone for Steve McNamara. I think we, talk, we talked last week about how the irony probably was that although Saints had finished second in the table and won the Cup, they were probably the best team and, and probably had the best coach as well. But I, I think Steve is another man who deserves recognition for his efforts, not just this season, but for the way in which... He's turned his own career around and the fortunes of Catalans. He became the coach at Bradford at a young age, didn't he? Not long after he retired from playing. And uh, he didn't have it very easy there. Obviously, as a sort of Bradford legend, he was expected to turn water into wine anyway. And then uh, when it didn't work out for him, he didn't seem to have many friends. And I think, you know, with hindsight as well, of course, you realise now that the, the issues that Bradford were having at that time financially and so on, that it wasn't obviously an easy gig for Steve at any stage. But, you know, he, he went on to, to England where, again, probably a bit of mixed fortunes. It's, I don't think it's easy being an international coach, particularly England, when they don't get that many games, do they? they you know, they, they beat the teams they're expected to beat and then you lose to Australia and, and it's game over. But... You know, again, Steve left England and he went to Australia, didn't he? And he worked at a couple of clubs there and he broadened his knowledge, got to make, you know, new contacts, no doubt, with players, agents and coaches. And uh, I was quite surprised when Catalans appointed him, but uh, he's gone down there and, and, and he's done a superb job. And, uh, you know, I, I felt for him on Saturday night and you know, I didn't think, I'm quite sure that Catalans will be back again um, and... But you know, they've done a great job there. You know, it looked all season. Everyone was expecting Catalans to fall away, and they never did. And in the final, I think on Saturday, um, Saints, as we spoke last week, they just had that bit of experience just to squeeze the life uh, out of Catalans in the second half once they took the lead for the final time. And uh, my club of the year also probably just included it in there, really would be Catalans just for the the way that they've kind of come out of the field and uh, given a, given the sport a new name to talk about, a new club to talk about, um, perhaps new hope for the future even as well. You know, that the game in France is obviously burgeoning. Um, yeah, they have got overseas players in their team, both from England and Australia and New Zealand, but so have all clubs in Europe, haven't they? You know, that's... 
and and it'd be interesting to see now how them and Toulouse fare in, in the top flight next year. Obviously, a lot of time and investment has gone into it, but Steve's also been given the time there um, to bring his own players in and shape his own team and culture, as they call it these days. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, as we said last week, it would have been nice for Catalans to win the prize. They didn't, but they they couldn't have come much closer, really, could they? And uh, I think things like that, you know, give us some optimism as this season draws to a close and, and we look forward to next year. Good choices, those, Rich. Um, interesting that we've both taken a completely different approach. Yeah. But um, it's, I think it's it's good to give some credit to the to people doing the job in the low divisions, but I agree yeah, with definitely. you, Ross. They've done a done a, a tremendous um, job this season and over the last couple of years. He's taken Catalans to both major finals, won the Challenge Cup, won the League Leader Shield, were within a try of winning the Grand Final. So, um, so well done to him. And um, I think that's about it for this season. I think it is, Pete. Yeah, I've enjoyed chatting to you each week and I hope that everybody else has too. And I hope you've enjoyed listening to, to what we've had to say over the course of the season. Hopefully we'll be back sometime in the new year as the new season approaches. Um, uh, but for now, really, thanks to Peter for all his comments and contribution throughout the season. It's very much appreciated. And... Uh, just a reminder that you can get the very latest rugby league news throughout the winter months via Peter's Twitter feed at PetersmithYEP, the Yorkshire Evening Post Twitter feed at YEP Sports Desk and at YP Sport, and also the Yorkshire Evening Post and Yorkshire Post websites too. I'm sure, if anything major breaks in the meantime, we might be back with a special, but for now, we'll wish you all a good close season and hopefully, we'll be back soon. Thank you.